some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffone's passionate rants on Buffone 55 Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Welcome to another episode of Greg Gabriel. Hey, that was good. <laughs> Greg Gabriel. Talks what have you had to drink so far today? Three cups of coffee. <laughs> that's, oh, that's yeah. uh, Greg, we are not going to laugh that much on this show, but given the state of the news of the Chicago Bears, not only were they humiliated in Tampa Bay, or maybe it's better to say they humiliated themselves, but also, there's a pandemic uh, that's hit Hallis Hall and Matt Nagy when he met the media today. He did it from his car because he's not allowed in Hallis Hall. So things are about as well. Bad. He was in Hallis Hall this morning. He got yeah. thrown out of Hallis Hall, basically. <laughs> exactly you know, right. He, had, he got tested, you know, one of the instantaneous tests, and then they sent him home. Yeah, it is a sad time for the Bears. Now, here's uh, what I, I I don't get. I mean, he had COVID before, so this is the second time. Yeah, right. He had COVID back during OTAs. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can have it and then get it again. You won't probably get sick as a result of from and the he, Well, he, I, he was – I don't know if he was vaccinated when he had it the first time, but I know he's vaccinated now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know the protocol is if once you're vaccinated, you've got to, you know, two days in a row test clean and then you're good to come back to work. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday. And I say what hopefully a lot of fans in the chat room are probably going to throw rocks at me because no, they've probably, had it. I would say the earliest is Thursday. 
I mean, yeah, you'd have to Tuesday and Wednesday test clean, and then Thursday you could come in, but it might be longer. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, we're, we're throwing darts at the wall. Right. Well, we know this is that uh, he's lost Bears fans. Uh, when you look at, like today at his press conference, I was reading those comments like you did last week, and Bears fans have just had it with Matt Nagy. Yeah, but I mean, the reality is that that's just a few, but I, but I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't listen to the presser after the game, mm-hmm. directly after the game, but from what I've read, that didn't go well. Uh, and and some people, like uh, Mark Potish, mm-hmm. for one, you know, kind of questioned him about it today. Yep. Uh, and, and I'll be honest. I, first of all, I hate talking about because I was in the business so long. Yeah. I've I been was- around guys that that you know are on the chopping block, and I I just don't even like to talk about it. I don't think it's it's fair. That's you know, people up higher on the, on the totem pole are the people that make those decisions. Mm-hmm. But w- what I don't like, and I get it comes with the territory, but is that Nagy can handle everybody saying he sucks and he's not a good coach. He's got to get fired. He, he knows that's when you lose, that's what's going to happen. Right. Okay. But he's got little kids. Mm-hmm. He's got a wife. His coaching staff's got families. They got to read that stuff. They got to hear that stuff. They got to see that stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I know when, when, you know, Bobby, when I was working for the Bears and Bobby DePaul got let go in uh, January of 2010, there was some speculation that, you know, I might be next. And, and, there's stuff in the papers there's stuff on the radios and it didn't bother me because I, I knew exactly what my status was, but it bothered my wife. It bothered, you know, because she had a, you know, she had a, she worked in retail. She had people coming up to her all the time. What's going on with your husband? You know, mm-hmm, and, sure. and that that's, that's the part I just, I, you know, yeah. I'm never going to get into because they're not part of it. Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, in every business where I've worked um, and I've been a uh, a staff director responsible for dozens of people. And so when you have when you're having uh, personnel performance issues, I'm not going to go around and, and talk about it openly. Those are private discussions. And I totally respect the fact that you worked uh, in personnel departments for dozens and dozens of years that this is a really tough subject and fans can be mean. And, you know, I, yesterday during one of our shows, I threw one of my temper tantrums, uh, you know, blaming Pace and Nagy for everyone. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that these people do have families, that they are human beings and that we have to, we should be careful about our vitriol and how much we throw on these people, even if they are uh, arguably incompetent. You know, I just like I say, I I I don't feel bad for those people, the people involved. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for like the kids. Nagy's got kids that are like in grade school. I don't know if he's got anybody in high school yet, but I know he's got kids in grade school. Right. And I know that um, his kids and Chris Ballard's kids, who we you know mention every once in a while, were really close when they worked together in Kansas City, and they still you know 
Chris will bring his kids up here from Indianapolis and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having to go to, how'd you like to be like a, a seventh grade boy mm -hmm. and you got to go to school with all this stuff going on? Yeah. You know, I, and that, that's not, that's not easy. That's tough on those kids. Absolutely. So that, that's why I don't like it, but still in saying that I got to be fair. Yesterday's the first time I thought there could be a change made. I yeah. never thought it until yesterday. And I just think that, you know, they didn't perform, you know, we could sit here for an hour and talk about well, why you know, there's, the, the, the offense wasn't there. The, um, and, and Todd Bowles, so we, and what's the last thing I said last week? It's <laughs> going to be right. ugly. Yeah, you did. You, you, you can find the tape. That's the last sentence. It's going to be <laughs> ugly. Yeah. And, and part of it was because of what happened last year. Not a doubt in my mind. Mm. This was paybacks a bitch. Yeah. I mean, they and were, they were, Brady, Brady got questioned about that game. Yeah. He was embarrassed about that game because he lost his composure. Mm -hmm. And this was payback time. Right. They were up 35 to three and trying to score inside the five yard line on fourth down. So I know. No, no. They, he, if he could have scored 50, he would have. Yeah. He would have. And, and laughed about it. That's you know, right. so, and, and you know what? You're going to get games like that. But mm -hmm. here's the key. Again, I thought about this, you know, leading up to recording this mm -hmm. is that. The last time they got their ass whooped at Cleveland, they came back pretty strong the next week against Cincinnati. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to me, if there's any life left, they got to show it next week against San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then there's people are in trouble. They, they, they've played well at home so far. So, you know, I, I think that that's, going to be the case is, is they got to come back and, and play hard and win next week and not just play hard. They got to come back and win next week. Right. And San Francisco shit, they've only won two games. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're a team in turmoil too. And uh, here's the schedule and what it looks like. So it's San Francisco in week eight. It's the nationally televised game against the Steelers in week nine. If the bears do lose those two games, now, the Bears have never fired a head coach during the season in their history over 100 years. Might that change, Greg? I, you know, I, I don't know. That's going to be George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. That's not even going to be Ryan Pace's call. That's George and Ted. And Virginia's going to have a say in that, too, you know. Um, you know, they might say, hey, you know what? We've, let's do this now so we can get a head start on, on who the next guy is. Now, mm -hmm. I know who I'd want, but, you know. Ooh, and tell it us doesn't mean I'd, I'd, want <laughs> Brian, I'd want Brian DeBall in a minute and a half. <laughs> I was going to say, does he work for Buffalo? <laughs> well, here's the thing I hear. And, and, you know, he was interviewed a bunch last year, didn't get hired. Right. Of course, he kicks everybody's rear end every week with his offense. But I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that he's not a good interview. Mm. So what? Right. Can you coach football? That that was the, that was the uh, a complaint on Vic Fangio that he would interview for jobs. He was just not a good interview. Well, what is what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to coach football. 
mm-hmm. not impress with you know his his corporate speak with the with the powers that be you know whoever the you know that's supposedly that's one of the reasons uh Bruce Arians didn't get the job over Trustman right okay well <laughs> you know what happened they actually had both of them do a mock press conference to see how they would uh fare with the media which is an indication of how a lot of owners see their team. They want to present a good front first, and then second, are they a good football coach? Now, I'm, I'm simplifying that to, to, to a degree. I don't think that's absolutely 100% true. Well, I, I, know this, I know this to be fact, that, that Phil Emery had Rod Marinelli, who was still on the staff, mm-hmm. interview both. Rod said, hands down, Bruce Arians. Now, this is fact. Mm-hmm. And the only, know why Marinelli left then? Mm-hmm. Because Arians wasn't hired. Right. Yeah, I, I think you had told me that before. I'd heard that too. And uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's so disrespectful. Talk to this guy, and then you come back and say, hands down, it's it should be this guy. And then you right. say, okay, thanks Phil, for your opinion, Phil, bye. Phil was going to outsmart everybody. Yeah. The only person he outsmarted was himself. Yes, he did. Um, do you care to talk about that story that when you met uh, <laughs> Phil? No. <laughs> you mean, oh, a- after he got after he got fired? No. Yeah, we got to get together and write this book on your life. <laughs> You've got so many incredible stories, and we'll get to some. And they're not—they're not all related to the NFL either. <laughs> I just told you too. Or, or, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you think about Chubbs' comment here? He's basically saying that the Bears laid down uh, against the Bucks. Do you agree with that—that that the team laid down after being owned, so-called owned by Aaron Rodgers? No, I'll tell you, they didn't play good, but I don't think they laid down. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is that goal line stand. That was that was pure pride. They were the defense was still playing hard. They were getting beaten, but they were playing hard. And and if if they weren't playing hard, they you know Tampa Bay would have walked in there in that mm-hmm. situation. They, had, yes. they, they held them, what, three downs inside the five-yard line mm-hmm. and just stopped them. So th- that part told me a little bit that he hadn't, you know, he hadn't lost the team. But, you know, it, it's just not going in the right direction. There, there's too much of this. You, yeah. you want this. Right, right. Now, I contend that the reason they lost is because they lost at the line of scrimmage, particularly the offensive line. In my philosophy, I grew up uh, uh, basically a a pupil uh, of Jim Fink's style of leading a team. And he always said, you start building a team at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with that. And the Bears just simply don't have the horses to compete against a terrific uh tampa defense and so they controlled the line uh, the line of scrimmage well, and that was we got to be fair about one thing now okay. and, and that is the guy they drafted to be the left tackle gets hurt right so now he's out so you got to bring in peters and peters hasn't played too badly i agree okay then you know if he was all right not 
all pro, but he was all right. Wilkerson went in. He was all right. But now you got Simmons in yesterday, and he doesn't know he's going to start until Sunday morning mm-hmm. when Wilkerson comes down with uh, uh, COVID yesterday. And this guy's never played a game in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, he, he got a ton of snaps during the preseason, which he needed because last year's preseason, we all know that was wiped out, and that was his rookie year. So he's essentially, you know, he's a uh, – FCS level player, Tennessee State, who has to play against one of the best defenses in football in his first time he's ever steps on an NFL football field. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He looked like it. Right. One, one, one of the reasons I went into a, a manic state uh, yesterday is because I feel like every year there is some deficiency in the roster. You know, lack of depth here, lack of depth there, a missing piece here in the starting lineup, a missing piece there. And I just feel like Ryan Pace has not done an adequate job to put a team out in the field that could win week to week against good teams because there's been holes. What do you think about my frustration? Any legitimacy to that? Or I'm just crazy? I, I don't I don't disagree with it, but I think that if you we're a fan of another team and you studied that team as much as you said, you find out that every team is the exact same way. You're right. There's always a hole. You're and right. we started talking about this last week and we never really completed it, mm-hmm. but you know, it let, during the summer, during training camp, they already know what they think they're going to need next year mm-hmm. based on contracts, you know, age, all this other thing, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we're we're not, we can't pay this guy anymore. So we're just going to, you know, let A-Rob, A-Rob's gone. He's not going to be here next year. I don't care who the general manager is, who the coach, he's not going to be here. They can't afford him. Right. Um, And, you know, they're going to have to, they might have to pay Montgomery. Mm -hmm. Little Hobart's playing so good that, you know, maybe they decide they get four years out of him and then, move on you know and that happens a lot with running backs yeah um but you know you go and think okay i'm gonna need a receiver i'm gonna need another offensive lineman i'm gonna lose this guy so i'm gonna i got a hole here and then you're thinking okay i can fill it in veteran free agency and i can fill the draft and you got to have those two things work together what's the strong point to the draft what's the strong points a free agency. And then you got to figure out, I don't have a number one. Mm-hmm. What can I get in the second round? And, you know, can I get, you know, let's just say, just make up a position here. I need a, I need a, uh, a defensive tackle. Cause I don't think Hicks is going to be here next year. Right. So, okay. um, <clears throat> so then they're, you know, you're going, okay, can I get a good defensive lineman in the second round? You know, chances are they're going to be picking in the top third of the second round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at that versus what's there in free agency. And that's those decisions are being made in February and March. Right. Because you, you work one against the other. Or not, that's not the right way to say it when I say one against the other. In concert with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going to fill this need in free agency and this need in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, and and... 
you know, hopefully you get lucky, but you, you only got so many dollars to work with. Right. That's why I think some of these guys like, you know, Hicks is already, has he played a full season in the last three years? I don't think so. No, he's already, missed two, he's already missed two games this year. As good yeah. as he is, yeah. is he giving, my philosophy is, is that you got to give back to your team what you're making in a salary. So if you're making 10 million bucks, mm-hmm. you got to give them 10 million in production. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, it's out the door. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people now are pointing the finger at Ryan Pace and, um, and, and, and Ted Phillips has had a target on his back for and Ted Phillips isn't going anywhere. He has nothing to do, and I'll say this, he has nothing to do with the product on the field. Other yeah, than how hiring... office was right across the hall from his. I know, yeah. you know, I know exactly what he does. But other than yeah, he, he, Ryan Pace. Well, yeah, but he had brought in Ernie Corsi for that too. Right. Well, that is his problem too. I mean, Ernie Corsi. Well, he did it because time. he because he hired he knew he hired Phil Emery. Mm-hmm. And then he went, now Ernie's been involved in probably a half a dozen GM searches around the league. Yeah, he's on some committee that does that. Yes, and, and you know, that was his recommendation. Mm-hmm. I, I know Ernie well. I worked, I worked for Ernie for a number of years, worked mm-hmm. with him and for him. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's been right sometimes and he's been wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we all are. And, the, you know, throw the dart at the wall, hope it sticks. For sure. You know, and, and, but, but Ted, tell you why Ted, Ted's going to be here. Mm-hmm. That stadium they're putting up down the street from you. Greg, I was thinking that same <laughs> thing when I was taking a shower this morning. <laughs> There's no way Ted Phillips is He's, leaving. Who do you think's been doing all this stuff? Exactly. You think George has? No way. <laughs> no way. That's Ted's project, and there's no Ted's, way they're going to... Ted's project yeah. before was getting Soldier Field redone. Yeah. Within the constraints that they had, because there was a lot of, you know, from my understanding was there was a lot of politics involved in that thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know why that Soldier Field's never been named anything other than Soldier Field? It's all politics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, the, know, and, and you know how much money they could have brought in with naming <laughs> rights? Yep. Absolutely. Totally, totally with you. Now, it, it does seem, though, for a lot of fans that, you know, uh, 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 accepting the fact that Ted Phillips is not going to go away is, is troublesome. They they want new management. I mean, you can even kind of point to the Soldier Field negotiations and say perhaps the Park District has gotten the better of Ted Phillips. I don't, know if, had, I, I don't know if I agree with that one, though. Okay. You know, I... I, I they you know how, how often I, I know I, I used to know a lot of the particulars of the contract, like it's getting the field resotted and stuff like that. And they, they, uh, they got the park district to up the ante on some of that stuff and get the field resotted more often during the season. Cause they saw the problem is, is that the, because it's resotted so much, the, 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 the rooting never takes place that the way you really want it to. Mm-hmm. And and it and it wears down. Um, in fairness, Field's been in pretty good shape the last few years. 
Yeah, it has been. There's no doubt about it. That's a, uh, that's now become a fallacy when people are, are talking badly about the Soldier Field turf because that hasn't been a problem in no. five years or so. Yeah, uh, I remember how bad it was. We played New Orleans in the NFC Championship game in, in January 2007. Field was in bad shape. But since then, I don't think so. Mm. My little yeah. guy here is getting a little restless. He, does he want to go out for a walk? You know, you can do the show. He, he, might, he, he, he might want to go outside, but <laughs> you, you, you can do the show. He might, he might be telling me. So. <laughs> Let me see. Is he laying out? No, he just laid down again. Okay. There's a uh, question from Chris Watts, who lives all the way on the other side of the planet Earth. Uh, thank you for your, uh, tuning in, Chris. And he wants to know, what do you think about Justin Fields and how he is being coached and, and his progression? He's playing pretty much like I thought he was going to play. Mm-hmm. And pretty much like, you know, except for Mac Jones, who was, I think, from a standpoint of being able to run a pro-style offense, you ran a pro-style offense at Alabama. Um, he was ahead of the game. But his ups where guys like Lawrence and, and Fields, Wilson, their upside is here. Mm-hmm. Or I think Mac Jones – I mean, Mac Jones is going to be a hell of a quarterback. He's already proven that. But I don't think he's got the upside these other guys do. I agree, yeah. But all those guys are struggling. And, and Jones even, they mentioned it, uh, was it last, you know, last night's game, the uh, Sunday night game, that he's still throwing seven interceptions and only seven touchdown passes. So mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't try to tell me he's killing everything, but, you know, he's playing on a lot better football team than the other guys are. Mm-hmm. Greg, I have a theory. Uh, tell me what you think of it. Matt Nagy was forced to start Justin Fields, um, and that Matt Nagy may have been right that it was a little too early to bring Justin Fields into the starting lineup, given all of the issues around that quarterback position, the injuries to the offensive line, the lack of depth at wide receiver, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Do you think that perhaps Matt Nagy was was correct all along when he named Andy Dalton the number one quarterback and um, and Justin Fields is just not quite ready to assume that role given what he has around him? Well, I'm going to tell you a conversation I had last week. I think it was Thursday, might have been Wednesday, with a friend of mine who was an agent. And... It's all hearsay. He claims it's true. I, I'm going to put that disclaimer there right now. I do not know if this is true, but he claims and he claims he's close to DiFilippo. And what you say is true. Mm. Well, that's what was told to me last week. Now, I don't know. Again, people are, you know, prone to bullshit every once in a while. <laughs> Just telling you what I was told. <laughs> I've been guilty of bullshitting too. So. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, I, 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 I'm passing it on. I'm not going to mention the guy's name. Sure, sure. But and, and I probably shouldn't have mentioned Flip's name. But he, you know, mm-hmm. he said that's where it came from. Right. 
Uh, Earl says, no, we still lose yesterday's game. Maybe, yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. you're right. You probably still lose yesterday's game. I mean, the only one that can beat uh, uh, Tom Brady is Nick Foles, and we're not going back there. That's your joke. No, <laughs> I said last week it was going to be ugly. He did. He did. I, 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 and, you know, I just didn't know how ugly. Right. But there would ugly. have been, there would have been, it would have been less ugly with Andy Dalton in the lineup. You know, it, it, going on the road to Cleveland and to Tampa Bay are just really difficult tasks for any a rookie quarterback. We know that. Now, kudos to him. He had an excellent performance. I should say excellent. He had a good performance in Las Vegas, but there were more Bears fans in the stadium than, than there were uh, Raiders fans. So, no, it, there was. And, and, it's also he was going against a pretty damn good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Now, Todd Bowles will probably be a head coach next year. Yes, he deserves okay. another opportunity, and, and he, he didn't deserve to get fired the first time. But mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. what it is. But he he, you know, when you think about it, I mean, he was licking his chops going into yesterday's game. I'm going to throw <laughs> everything at this guy, and I'm watching. I'm going. Oh fuck! It, it, it's he's doing overload blitzes. Yes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're, you're sending four on one side. And you got two to block. Yep. You know, it's like okay, well, what? It's, don't blame it on the line because you can't. Yep, we, a guy, you know, a lineman can't block two at a time. That is right. The very first play, the safety blitz, and uh, Justin well, Peterson. Right. He had a court. He had a thing. He had he. You know, he has the guy loop around. He's coming free. Most yep. of those times, the guy came free. Right. It, very, very true. And uh, Bruce Arian said after the game, you know, basically he said, yeah, Todd, Todd was licking his chops afterwards, he, you know, prior to the game because he loves going up against rookie quarterbacks. They, right. they are, he, he, knows he, he's, he can give him one look and he's doing something totally different. Yep, indeed. And, and you know what? That's why you don't want to play rookies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you got to at a certain point, you know, I mean. Well, they, but they can learn on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and they learn in film study. They learn in practice. They learn on the sideline. Now, Justin, a couple of weeks ago, showed some promise. He hit some of those deep balls. Last two weeks, it hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's played pr- two pretty good coordinators the last two weeks. Right. I saw a quarterback in Justin Fields yesterday who was uh, perturbed, for lack of a better way of putting it, by the pass rush. It had gotten to the point where it was affecting him and his throws. He'd have an open guy and overthrow an open guy down the right sideline. I think it was right. No, it was affecting his accuracy. He's still holding on to the ball too damn long. Yes, but I don't know if you saw the tweet. I tweeted out in the second quarter. I think after the second pick. Mm-hmm. Time to pull him. I missed that pull one. him for his good, mm-hmm. not not for the Bears' good, for his good. Yeah, because a game like that, which can get out of control, can do more harm to a young quarterback than good. And I get it. The thing, oh, let him let him fight through adversity, and maybe that'll happen. Mm-hmm. You know, God willing, he's going to come back next week and have a have a strong game. But it's still, you know, that. Uh, that was a tough situation. Personally, I would have yanked him. I would have put in Andy, let Andy finish out the game. The worst case scenario was what I, I would have pulled him at halftime. But mm-hmm. in reality, I would have pulled him in the middle of the second quarter. Yeah. And our loss has uh, 
quit giving Nagy any benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that's what we're doing here. Uh, well, we are giving him the benefit of the doubt, but we're not endorsing Matt Nagy to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. We're just kind of analyzing things. And, and when you analyze things, you got to look at it from all different perspectives. Right. If not, it, you're going to have a, a one-sided opinion on things. And so I think that's what we're doing here. Uh, nobody is advocating for Matt Nagy. We're just analyzing Matt Nagy. Hey, no, that, I, that decision's out of our hands. We're not going to, you know what? You can bitch as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 10 million fans in Chicago can bitch as much as they want. You know what? It's going on deaf ears. Yeah. People well, at 1920 football drive in Lake Forest are going to make that decision. Well, that's, that's an interesting topic right there because I am of the contention that if there are empty seats at Soldier Field for upcoming they're already games, paid for. But they're, they're paid for, but the concern is, will then they be pay, paid for in another year? You know, I think John Fox, one of the reasons he was released and didn't serve the last year of his contract is there were considerable empty seats for his last three or four home games. And, you know, at that point, you got to say, well, we can't, we got to stop this. This is, we're bleeding here. We, we need to uh, come up with something else because we need asses in those seats so that we can sell jerseys and we can sell beer and we can get the parking. There's no question about it. And we can pay for that new $2 billion stadium we're trying to build. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh gosh! So where does where does this team go from here? Matt Nagy made the point uh, after yesterday's game, and he touched on it uh, in today's press conference about the team sticking together. He believes that the, this team is closer than ever before. He said yesterday, and he expounded on that today. Do you believe that there is an, a chance here that this team could potentially start to fragment? You've been in situations in, in, in with teams yourself and, and, and been a, an eyewitness to teams around you where they've been in this hole. What is your level of concern that the players might stop playing for him? Okay. Can it happen? Yes. Will it happen? I don't know. And know how I would know one way or the other, I have to be in the building. And I'm not trying to avoid the subject. No, it's fair. Because what you, when you're in the building and you're down in the, in the weight room working out, you're seeing the players and you're watching how players practice and, and their, their uh, energy level during practice and, and working out in the weight room. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a nine, nine, five. They get there at seven in the morning, 630 in the morning. And they're there till, you know, four, 430 in the afternoon. Some of their later than that. And, you know, you can see it. And if they don't want to play for somebody, you know, everybody's, you know what it's like, kind of drowsy. Yeah, I got to go to freaking work today. <laughs> you know, regardless if he's making $15 million, I mean, you know, you see it. And the only way, like, in the last couple of years, of Tressman, hell, his whole last year, the last half season with John Fox, you saw it on the field. Mm-hmm. They did not play. I mean, there's a bunch of games they gave up over 50 points <laughs> with Foxy. Yes. And, you know, when you see that, then you know, okay, the players jump shit. That's why I said, you know, going back to the when we, when we started this show, is that 
to me, the key is is next Sunday. Mm-hmm. What's the level of play, level of energy, the intensity next Sunday? If it's not there, it's all over. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting matchup against the 49ers because one of the things that they do well, uh, despite only having two wins this season, is that they protect their quarterback. And so the Bears pass rush may not. Did you watch the game last night? I only saw portions of it. Did they, how did they do? Well, first of all, it's played in the monsoon, so it might yeah, not be it's hard to judge. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> the um, they got to him more, okay. and and a lot, but weather had a lot to do with it. I mean, it mm-hmm. was a horrible. I, I sent Ballard a text. Oh, here I'll read it to you. Chris Ballard, of course, is the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts and close friends with Greg Gabriel. Uh, yeah, I saw I, I saw some of the fourth quarter. I saw a ball slip out of uh, Garoppolo's hands, one of the worst thrown passes. He probably has well, thrown. The second the quarter, same thing happened to Wentz. Yeah. He had a first goal on the, uh, on the seven or five yard line, you know, and then he's like rolling out to the right. And he's going to to throw the ball, and the ball slips out of his hands and gets picked. Oh my goodness! You, you know, so it, it's just awful. Okay, I said, wow, don't know if I ever watched a game with such shitty conditions, including the snow game they played in Buffalo. <laughs> that was played in four inches of snow. Wow. I said, good road win. Hopefully it keeps going in the right direction for you. He turned back. He goes, thanks, Greg. He said, we have a good team. Not perfect, but good. Long way to go, and I think we'll be in on it. Mm. But. He, uh, I, I don't, I don't disagree with him. Boy, that, yeah, that running back they got is a special guy. Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, you know, I learned yesterday watching bits of the game that he got invited to go play football at Yale. So he's a super smart guy. He runs hard. He reads, got great instincts. I mean, uh, that's, that's a great. And then, of course, they drafted one of my most favorite college football players of all time, Quinton Nelson at the left guard position. I was praying that the Bears would get him. Uh, so they've got some some talent on that team. Okay, I'll tell you a story now. Okay. So I'm, you know, Chris and I talk a lot. Mm-hmm. They're going into that draft. They're picking, Colts were six, I think, right? And yes. the Bears were eight? Correct. Um, so... I'm, you know, we're going back and forth about players and, you know, I want to ask him, you know, what's his, I, I, I know I, I thought the bears were going to get Quentin Nelson. Okay. And I asked him about Nelson. Well, he's got a knee a little bit, you know, and then I said, and then I said, this is what I mean. Even your friends fucking lie to you. So, <laughs> so, so, that's great. <laughs> and then, oh, my asthma's killing me. <laughs> so then I bring up Roquan. And he goes, oh, God. He goes, you know me, Greg. I got to have those defensive players. There wasn't a doubt in my mind that they were going to take Roquan Smith after I got off the phone with him. And what happens? They take Quentin Nelson and, and the Bears get I mean, hey, both of them won. Yes, they did. Okay. Hey. But but I I – you know, called him up like, or not, I sent him a text like 10 seconds after he made the pick. I go, you. 
<laughs> I love the way you say even your friends lied to you. But the interesting thing, and I've had debates with this with, with some of my friends, is that in the second round, they come back and get Darius Leonard. And so, and the Bears in the second round, uh, who, uh, James Daniels. So I say, I, I've debated people and said, the Colts got the better of the deal. Uh, Daniels, well, yeah, but they picked before. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. So, so I mean, I what, asked, what are you going to do? I was asked, I, 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 you I thought, you know, yeah, it could have been the other, it could very easily have been the other way around. Right, right. It could have, right, exactly. So now, I don't know, know, I don't know what, I know Chris really liked their guy, the linebacker. Yeah. yeah. And, but he didn't run very good, and I think he was hurt. And that was the, the, uh, only thing that that was like a, a, a say a, a, a red flag to me. Yeah, but I mean, he you know Lance Briggs couldn't didn't run good either. Right, right. But he played four five zero, and mm-hmm. and Leonard plays better than four five zero. And I'm sure that if they time to begin, he he time a lot faster. That guy's a man. He's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. But really, both teams won. No doubt. And, and, yeah, but um, and had the, the Colts taken Roquan, not a doubt in my mind the Bears would have taken Quinton. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe they come back in, in the second round and get Leonard. Yeah, you know so it could have been a flip flop. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this offensive line because um, you know Sam Mustafer is getting criticized for him being overpowered. I, I keep trying to tell people. He has faced three of the best nose tackles in the NFL this season, starting with Aaron Donald and then going on to the kid from the Green Bay Packers uh, and then Vita Vea. You know, I mean, that's that's well, Vita Vea is like going up against a caterpillar bulldozer. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, you, I don't care who you are, you aren't winning. Exactly. You hope to win. Half the plays. Exactly. In fact, when I started playing, when I started playing college football, mm-hmm. for my very first team meeting in college, coach says, all they want you to do is win 51% of the plays. Mm. If you win 51% of the plays, we win the game. Interesting. I, I'm surprised it's that low. I would have thought maybe 75%. Well, I think, he's, you know, he's trying to just make a point. Yeah. Which, we which, know you're not going to win every play. Yep. Yep. But that guy, he he's a bulldog, and mm-hmm. he's a tough guy to block. Yeah, indeed. Then the two guards, you got James Daniels at the right. You got Cody Whitehair uh, at the left guard. Now, Cody Whitehair has a potential out in his contract, so if the Bears wanted to save some money, Cody Whitehair could, could be playing his last season for the Chicago Bears. But he does bring a lot of value to this team. His veteran leadership, um, you know, having cohesion in the team. So I, I would love to see those three guys continue to be the middle of the offensive line for the next several years. Your thoughts? I, I don't disagree with you. I, you know, what I'd like to see that they, they won't, they, they don't tell you about the guys on IR. Mm-hmm. And so the way I look at it, Borum is, you know, he had a sprained MCL. He's got to be getting there ready to play. Okay, so is it going to be this week? Or are they going to wait till after the bye? You know, or or, or whatever, because you know they they 
Well, your first indication if he's getting ready to play is he's going to, you know, they can bring him up and put him on uh, designated to return mm-hmm. for practice. So if he's practicing, then you know that they're bringing him back. But right now he's not practicing. And then really the same thing with Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody said he's out for the season. And even if, and, and even if they do get him up and running and he's back to practice, they can do two things. They can let him practice for three weeks and then have him do some stuff there just to get some football in yeah. and get reps in and then put him back down. Right. Or they can, you know, you got three weeks to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, do you play them? <laughs> if the, if the season shot. Yeah. Yeah. He needs if rest. He's, if he's ready. Mm-hmm. If he's if he's healthy and he's ready, because right. <clears throat> that's going to help your team next year, right? Now, because that that is your line. Those five guys, that's your line next year, in my opinion. You would think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the concerning thing uh, regarding those guys is uh, on the IR uh, is Larry Borum. You know, he should have been practicing by now, but apparently well, there's something. You don't know. I mean, he. he a, a strained MCL, sprained MCL could be like a five-week injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so when did he do it? Game two? Yes, game okay, two. Okay, well, he's right in that, that window right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so if you start seeing that he's put on designated return, begins practicing and designated for return this week, mm-hmm. then they feel he's ready. Mm-hmm. Now, I... I the media usually asks about injuries on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah. You know, because of the cluster, you know what? Yep. Of today's media. They, I don't think they even got to injuries. They did not. They did not. Yeah. Um, all right. So what about at the, t- at the at the tight end position? Are you seeing enough from Cole Komet to say, uh, I- I'm satisfied that he can be our number one tight end for the next several years? Yeah. I I personally like it. I, I, yeah, he had a drop and I had, I started to make notes, but then when the game flew out of hand, I said, screw this. In fact, I, I I turned it off more often than that and went to the NASCAR playoff race. Good for Um, you. (laughs) And then would switch back and forth. But yeah, I, I, I didn't like that drop. Mm Mm-hmm. He really doesn't have that drop. He doesn't have the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And is is the opportunities his fault? Not really. No, it's he's not. not. He, he's not throwing the ball. Right. He's been asked. Now, I'll tell you, he, he, he's a son of a bitch to bring down now. Mm-hmm. You saw that yesterday. You get him going. I mean, he, you know, he, he he's not going to make anybody miss. Mm-hmm. But he'll run over you. Yep. And and I try to tell people the one of the reasons he's not catching a lot of passes is because he's being asked to block a lot more because of the state of the offensive line and particularly those tackles. They need help. And so Cole Komet is usually when he goes out on pattern, it's he's throwing a block first and then he'll be that safety valve out in the flat. Right. And and you gotta look at this. What they're trying to do is I'll use Bill Parcell's term here, shorten the game. Yeah, and and get remember we go one of the big concerns going into the season they don't have a running game they can't run the football yeah well they're running the game yeah running the ball really well 
You can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you you've got a, a rookie fifth round, sixth round pick mm-hmm. who you know many I liked him. Who many people, <laughs> um, you know, is all you know, he's not going to play. So he, he he's run for two hundred yards in the last two weeks. He, he looks like a stud. Yes, you know, and and the guy's a hell of a player. He is. And what he is is he's a better receiver than I gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, watching the tape from Virginia Tech when he was coming out, but you know, he's a good player. And so they they've Damian Williams is going to get back in. Uh, into the flow. He's coming off COVID. His conditioning, you know, probably wasn't where it should be. And he got a few snaps. And then you're going to get Montgomery back. Same thing. He had an MCL. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be three more weeks away. Yep. You know, but you're you're going to get that back. But you're, you're trying to run the ball to control the clock, get some sustained drives. And then when you, when you can run the ball effectively – your play action pass game works better. Yeah. But when you're behind 21 to three or 21 to nothing, whatever play action isn't worth a damn. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to fool anybody then. (laughs) Um, Chris Watts wants your opinion on the play of the defensive backs. Um, DeAndre Houston Carson. Yeah. But DeAndre Houston Carson is looking like he deserves starter reps. Um, well, he's getting a lot of play time. But you got to look at the, the, the way they got the – he might not be, quote, a starter, mm-hmm. but he's getting as much play time as those guys yeah. are. Yeah, I haven't looked okay. at the snap he's, count. He's part of the, he's, yeah, he's part of the sub package. Yes, yes. No, he's, he's you know, a guy, another FCS-level kid who, who's really starting to come into his own. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm, a physical football player. Right. There there are a lot of times where players, you know, they don't start to really develop into the player they can be until they're in their mid to late 20s, right? Is, is that fair assessment? Well, yeah, but you got to, you know, theoretically, you want to be able to make a decision before the rookie contract's up. Right. It doesn't always happen. depends on, on circumstances and situations because then you got to make that decision. Do I pay him or not pay him? Well, you know, they really, when you look at at, at uh, Houston Carson, his, he's already been out of his rookie contract, I think. Yes. yes. Okay, so, but it's not like they had to pay him a whole lot because mm-hmm. there wasn't, you know, other than special teams, there wasn't a whole lot to show. Right. But now he's showing more. Yes. And I'm not sure. I think he's on a one-year deal, but I'm not 100% sure of that. I can I can confirm that is a one year oh, deal yeah. for one point one two seven million. So he's going to be he's going to make some money. He's going to make some money next. I mean, he's not going to make eight million dollars a year, right? But he's he's going to get some money next year. Yeah. Do okay. You, now, do you keep him? And and Deshaun Kipson is on a uh, a one year deal. Yeah. Okay. Do you ship him out? You, you, these are things you gotta you know you're doing during this during the off season when you got to make these. These money decisions, like I said, I don't think A-Rob's going to be here. I don't think Hicks is going to be here. Mm-hmm. And, and so now you're going to have, you know, between the two of them, there's like $35 million you're going to have right there. Yeah. You know, um, so, Quick question, just backtracking here. Uh, Tevin Jenkins was seen on the sidelines yesterday. Does that mean anything in terms of is he getting closer 
I mean, of course, he's getting closer to recovery, but is, does it mean that we may be seeing him soon in practice, uh, given that he traveled with the team to Florida? Um, you know, it's a good question. But then yesterday, you know, Wilkerson came up with COVID yesterday morning. Yep. And they immediately brought up Hambright. Right. Off the practice squad the same day yesterday yes. because of COVID, which you're allowed to do, which tells me they're taking all the practice squad guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or not all of them, but they're taking guys. And, you know, Tevin Jenkins, they got a second round choice. They probably want him observing as much as they can so yeah. he can le- learn from the sidelines. Gotcha. Getting back to the DBs, uh, Chris wants your specific opinion about Eddie Jackson, who received some uh, valid criticism from Sean Desai in Thursday's press conference regarding his tackling, but also spoke at length about the value that Eddie Jackson brings to the defense because of his knowledge of the different coverages, because uh, uh, offenses don't throw his way uh, a lot because of his reputation. Your thoughts on Eddie Jackson? No, I I agree that he's – yeah, you go back to his career at Alabama, he wasn't a strong tackler. He's no thumper. Mm-hmm. Never has been. In fact, he came into college as a corner mm-hmm. and played corner, I think, the first two years of his career, then got moved to safety. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he's never going to be a thumper. No, he, he did, you know, because now you're looking for it. He did lay some licks yesterday. Yes, he did. But you got to see You got to see more. Yep. Belong- I, I, I think his, his tweet – Picking on Lance Briggs was the stupidest thing he's done since he's been a bear. Yes. I I mean, I just said, my God, yes. what is he thinking? <laughs> he wasn't thinking. Don't piss off those guys because those guys got a voice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I got to actually go back and listen to what uh, Briggs might have said in yesterday's show. It might be entertaining. Um, what about Bilal Nichols? Last season, I thought he was on the cusp of stardom. To me, he's not having that good of a season, and he's thrown out for a stupid, unsportsmanlike conduct uh, play. Uh, your thoughts on Bilal Nichols? I, I'm not worried about him. I think he's a strong player. I think he's drawing, especially when Akeem is not there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting a, getting more attention from the offense because he can be a disruptor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think all told, the defensive line is bad. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but they keep they keep they. What did they had one game with the full got the full show in there? That's I think it. It's just one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Want to ask you about uh, overall this team is with the trade deadline on November second, which is right before the game. Yeah, so it's before the Steelers game, so a week before the bye. Is this if this team loses to San Francisco, are do they then start thinking about a a, a rebuilding and and trading away some of the veteran players to teams who are hungry for veterans to help them in their playoff push and acquire draft capital or what? My answer is this isn't hockey, baseball, or basketball. The trade deadline in the NFL is basically a non-existent day. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. there's been a couple years when there's been some moves, but in most cases, you can count them on one hand. And, and, and very, very rarely is there anything big. Now, could you have a Deshaun Watson? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't forget when you trade these guys, some of these guys, okay, you want to trade a Rob. You got the rest of a, you know, half of a twenty million dollar contract there, or eighteen million, whatever he's getting. So say nine million or ten million, they gotta. The team's gotta have that ten million to pay him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there, there's a lot of things that go into the the equation when you're thinking about doing that, and then a team say, well, okay, I'm I'm picking up nine million dollars. I'm not giving you much. Mm-hmm. And he's out of contract. Right. Right. I might, you know, so the, the rental thing that works in baseball mm-hmm. doesn't happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Bears should be aggressive in trying to make some moves, even though, you know, it's unlikely that anything significant will happen? You know, I, I, I don't know if I can answer that because, again, it's in order to do something, you've got to have somebody on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. And history says that doesn't happen. You know, in all honesty, when when I was working, we had trade deadline. It was like, oh, OK. <laughs> it's like another day. In- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I, what happened? Nothing. <laughs> that's right. So why even have a trade deadline? But that's a topic for another Well, time. yeah, I mean, because they have it. But right. the media tries to make something out of it. Yeah. They have, for, they have for you. Oh, the trade doesn't. It doesn't happen in the NFL. Now, watch. This year, there'll be 22 trades. <laughs> but generally speaking, I mean, you in hockey, baseball, Mm-hmm. You got 60 trades on trade deadline day. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. And it's so difficult to acclimate a player to your system. So when you're m- trying to make trades, you you almost are narrowing the field of, okay, this guy's familiar with the system we're running. So this would be a good uh, a player to inquire about. And, and, so, and that's, there's some limitations. It's not like in baseball where if you need a right fielder, you're, you're, you you can look at all 31 other uh, Major League Baseball teams to find that right fielder. In football, it's 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 a little bit more narrow-minded. Am I right there? Well, part of it, again, is, is okay, who are you going to try? Okay, so the names would be Makeem Hicks, A-Rob, guys like that, right? Okay, right. Both of them are coming out of contract. Right. Okay, so the team that's <coughs> buying him, and in their case, renting him. Right. What are they going to give? Are they going to give you a fair value? Right. They're going to give you a sixth or seventh round draft pick. Well, yeah. First of all, they're only getting them for half a season. Exactly. Okay. And and so they're they're not going to give you much. Where in the case of a Rob, I'm not so sure about with Hicks, but and I'm not taking anything away from his value. But mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, he's missed a lot of games in the last few years. Right. You know, and he's getting to that age mm-hmm. where that happens. But, you know, A-Rob's going to give you something back in the compensatory market. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you lose him. Maybe mm-hmm. as much as a – now, you know, it's a formula that it, it's all your gains versus all your losses. So people all the way, oh, they're getting a third-round pick for that. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. Okay, because you got to – it's the sum of everything. It's the sum of all the – of who you signed versus the sum of who you lost. And and it's a very 
complicated formula that the, the league office comes up with. And it's, and, and all honesty, there's a lot of people that have no idea how it really works. There's yeah. people in front offices that have no idea. Because <laughs> the, league, the league doesn't tell you. Yeah, that's you, so You, you got to kind of guess. Yeah. You know, based on what's happened in previous years. Yeah. But you make a hell of a point there, Greg, is that you can you can almost bank that you're going to get more in the compensation after A-Rob is signed by another team next season than you are in trading him as a rental player for the last half of the season. Right. And but you don't get that compensation until the following year. Okay. 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 You're not getting it this – in other words – if he signs in March mm-hmm. with the Rams, mm-hmm. you're not getting that draft pick in April. Gotcha. Because part of the other part of the equation is playtime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then awards. If he does not play to the level of contract or gets hurt, it's a wash. Tough mm-hmm. shit. You lost him. Yeah. Okay, and and that's happened in the past where a guy's gone somewhere else, got a big contract. You think you're going to get something back. You get nothing because he got hurt. Last question regarding football, and then we want to close the show with a special note. But Sanders says, how about we just keep our draft picks and draft guys? And so that leads to the question, do you think that uh, uh, Ryan Pace has perhaps been too aggressive to move up to get his guys and lose necessary uh, draft capital. Uh, you know, I, I understand the argument, so I'm going to answer it this way. Would you have rather not had Justin Fields on the team? That's Maybe one there that is, there is a quarterback. There's no quarterback in this coming draft, right? That that really lights your fire, right? That's one that okay. you definitely make, but Anthony Miller, uh, Dave, even yeah, David no, Montgomery. You, you, I, I, Montgomery was well worth the price. How he's played, you know, mm-hmm. I don't remember what they, I mean, they moved up in the third round. They didn't give up a whole lot. Correct. Okay. So Anthony Miller, I think they gave up a fourth to move up a little bit to get him. Uh, that one didn't work out. So you kind of, but. You know, and it remains to see what's going to happen with with Justin Fields, but you got to make that trade. I mean, everybody thought the guy's going to be a good player, and I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Mm. You know, I think he is the guy that the Chicago Bears want to be the future quarterback, but don't expect him to be an all pro right now because it's not going to happen. I hear you. Great analysis. All right, we want to end the show with a special tribute to a very close friend of Greg Gabriel, who he lost uh, this past week. Tell us about Paul um, and uh, where'd you meet him? Uh, what was he like? Oh God, I, <laughs> we, we, we'd get, you know, we did the FCC after. Keep it clean. Are these things, are, are, are these things you know, <laughs> No, they're not not regulated by the government, so we're good there. But they could be regulated by your wife, so be careful. (laughs) I I met Paul. I I played minor league football for eight years after I got out of college. Paul was on that team. He's older than I was. He was already a veteran. And I played with him for eight years. Turned out and became one of the best friends I've ever had in life. 
Uh, so I've known him. I was talking to his wife, you know, on Friday after he passed. And, you know, so it's been, it was 1974. So it's been 47 years mm. and um, just love the guy. Toughest, meanest mother I have ever been around. But, you know, I, here's how you describe it. He was a, in pharmaceutical sales, he was an executive, looked great in a suit and tie. But his other life, he was a member of the Sons of Anarchy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, uh, was a crazy dude. And that's why I loved him. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just, he was famous in Buffalo. And, and everybody wanted to know what Paul thought. Because he'd let you know. You wouldn't like him because he was a diehard conservative. Oh, I love conservatives. <laughs> I love diehard conservatives. And, so, and, I, and I respect them, especially because most of them can kick my ass. <laughs> so, no, so he, um, <laughs> but, but no, he, he just, I, I don't know when the memorial service is. I'm still waiting to hear from his wife because what he's already been cremated. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, she's her and another friend of mine's wife are trying to get a nice place for a, a big reception. Cause Paul said, no, you know, he didn't always make sense when, when he talked, but you had to, he had to know him because then you, if you knew him, you got it. Like he called, a, 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 we had a group of people that we, I mean, we hung together now for almost 50 years mm. and the one lady uh patty dermasich you know patty had like five kids and she was a tough mother i mean you know very good mother but very strict mm -hmm. and so paul was trying to describe her one day and he goes she's a gestapo mother jumper and <laughs> you look and you go huh <laughs> what what's that and, and but you know then you go, oh i i i know it it's just Paul. So, you know, you know, you know what he was saying, even though it didn't come out right. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and you wrote on your tweet uh, uh, regarding Paul that he was the best fullback you had ever played with. Well, you know, it's been a while since I played football. Last year I played was 1981. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I-formation fullback, sometimes even split backfield fullback. You always had a fullback in the game. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a, a, a big guy. Uh, you know, probably 205, but back then, hell, I only played 185 to 190, wow. 192. I mean, you know, we didn't have size then. Wasn't When I came into the league, a big offensive tackle was 275. That guy's a reject now. Mm. Okay, so, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's an entirely different game. But Paul is just real, real tough, and he was – you know, I don't think he could play by today's rules because he, you know, he just, he'd take your knees out. He'd chop you <laughs> any, anything that he could do. And, and, you know, back then it was all fair. Sure. So, you know, it wasn't against the rules, but he'd yeah. do it. And 
oh my goodness, I've seen some of the old NFL films where they were basically assaulting players on the field. And then when they were injured, they were dragged out. <laughs> they, were, they didn't bring a doctor out on the field. They just dragged you off the field. Yeah, you know, throw <laughs> a Band-Aid on them and then put them back in. <laughs> well, I very no, I, 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 I'm going to miss him. I, I was kind of surprised. I didn't, you know, he, he had uh, dementia, came on suddenly. Uh, but he was 80 years old. I mean, I'm 70. We're no, yeah. And, uh, well, how about this? And I think I might've told you this guy was so competitive, great shape, played competitive rugby into his sixties and was good at it. Went back to his, he went to East Tennessee state, went back and they used to have the, the, uh, alumni, the spring game was the alumni against the varsity. He went back. He's 45 years old, 46 years old, plays every snap. Amazing. And, Amazing. you know, unbelievable condition this guy was in. Mm. Would, uh, in the winter, he'd go skiing all over the world, not just the the country. Mm. Any place he could find a good, him and his wife would go, and they'd, you know, they'd go spend a week skiing somewhere. They'd go out to Colorado, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, wherever, and, and just have a blast. Well, everyone in the chat room and myself are saying uh, sorry for your loss. And uh, uh, Paul, this show is dedicated to you. And hopefully we're not back here next week reading the last rights of the Chicago Bears because uh, they could be headed that way if they lose another game. Uh, and, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll be here next week uh, to talk about that. And Greg, uh, again, thanks very much. Make sure you follow Greg. Let me, let me put your uh, – um, Twitter handle up there so that people can see it. It's at Greg Gabe, G-R-E-G-G-A-B-E. -E. You want some entertaining tweets to read? Greg has them and more. I've come down in my old age. I you have, but nonetheless, they're still very entertaining. And, and I think the word is prescient. So you say a lot of things that end up happening either later in the game or the, the next day or a month, you know, your insight into pro football is uh, is is unbelievable. And I love just following your Twitter uh, handle. In fact, one of the ways I prepare for this show is I just <laughs> look down here to it. I want to talk to him about this. I want to talk to him about that and so forth. And so we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. we got a lot more football stuff on the Barroom Network. The best way to stay on top of everything is to follow us here on the YouTube. Just hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and you'll get updates on all of the work that we are doing. For Greg Gabriel, I'm Aldo Gandia. We'll see you next week.